Excellent. All right, well, let's have the uh, Kingdom Kids go to their class at this time. Yeah, it's good to be back with you. I'm glad that we're here today. All right, please turn in your scriptures to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 24. Matthew 24. The Sultan Muhammad Ibn Daud of Iran in 1072 A.D., told his followers that he was going to raise from the dead. Wow. He ruled during Iran's golden age through the conquest of many lands, the accumulation of wealth. He rose to be one of the most beloved leaders of that time period in Iran. And so at his resurrection, he was supposed to mount a horse and lead the country again on a glorious uh, victory of taking over more conquest. Well, as it turns out, they kept a thoroughbred charger uh, outside the mosque of Kuchin uh, in waiting for his appearance. Church, I, I want to ask us today, I mean, you know, life can get ho-hum, right? Uh, we can get stuck in a, a rut of work, and sometimes barely make it to worship Jesus. But here's my question. Uh, do we wait for the coming of Christ with that much uh, determination, with that much dedication and anticipation? Last week, we were in Matthew 24, and we're back to that text again, but we looked at the three questions that the disciples asked Jesus as they came out of the temple that day, and uh, the first question that was asked last week in verse 3, tell us when will these things happen? And we're talking about the destruction of Jerusalem uh, that happened in A.D. 70. But then the second question is, what will be the sign of your coming? That's what we want to talk about today. The second question they asked and Jesus' answer to that question. The return of Christ has been one of the most looked forward to promises in Christianity other than the promise of our salvation. And his second coming is talked about in several New Testament books. In fact, 23 of the 27 books in the New Testament talk about the return of the Lord. You've got this book of Matthew. You've got Acts. You've got 1 Corinthians, Philippians, James, 2 Peter, uh, 1 and 2 uh, Thessalonians, 1 John, Jude, and Revelation, just to name a few. It was on the lips of the Christians, the return of the Lord. Uh, descriptions of the second coming is, uh, he will come, he promises that. He will come personally. It's not going to be in a spirit form. He's coming back in, in his uh, resurrected body, taking us to glory. It's going to be literal. It's visible. It's audible. It com he comes in great glory and power. He's accompanied by his angels and he's coming quickly and unexpectedly. The return of Jesus Christ. Being ready for the return of Jesus is why we issue an invitation to accept Christ at the end of a gospel message. Because we must get ready and stay ready for the return of the Lord. And so, uh, I want to turn to John's gospel. Turn with me, please, to John 5 and looking quickly at 25 through 29. John 5. 
In John, the fifth chapter, starting with verse uh, 25, it reads this way. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Just as, for just as the Father has life in himself, even so he gave to the Son also to have life in himself. And he gave him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming in which all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and will come forth, those who did the good deeds to a resurrection of life and those who committed the evil deeds to a resurrection of judgment. Now, I want us to go back to our main text of Matthew 24 and pick up verses 29 through 31. Here, here it is. But immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky. Then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And he will send forth his angels with a great trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of the sky uh, to the other. And so these verses here are the most prophetic verses in this portion of Scripture. They are the most argued over as well. And so let me focus on just 30 and 31 where the Son of Man will come in the clouds in the sky with power and great glory. He will send forth his angels with a great trumpet, and they will gather together the elect from the four winds, from one end of the sky to the other. We have a promise in Acts chapter 1 and verse 11. After Jesus ascended into heaven in the cloud, that the angels came and spoke to the disciples. They had just witnessed the, resur the resurrection Christ ascend into heaven into the clouds. And they said, men of Galilee, why are you looking or gazing intently into the sky? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in just the same way as he went into heaven. And so he's coming back in the clouds. The angels promised the apostles that Jesus would return. It should have resonated with them because just 54 days earlier, Jesus, before he died on the cross, Jesus spoke to them and said, the Son of Man is coming on the clouds in the sky with power and great glory. I love that text that the Apostle Paul gave us in 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 16, uh, where he said, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven uh, with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God. He also wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 52, we'll all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, will be given new bodies, new bodies, hallelujah. This is the joy of the Christian. This is the message from Christ that is promised and we get excited about the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is going to return in power and great glory. Well, how else would you expect him to return? When you, we see a man that, that most of the world does not even believe in, and when he returns, 
that trumpet sound and that shout is going to be heard worldwide. Praise his name. Every eye will behold him. Everyone who rejected him. Every, everyone that attacked a Christian for our faith are going to realize that that trumpet sound and the revealing of Jesus Christ with his tens of thousands of angels, they're going to realize, what have I done? Believers who remain alive will be called up to meet him and to join in his great triumphal re-entry. Everyone who uh, will know when it happens, there will be no mistake this go-around. Now, the first today, the end is unpredictable. We're back to Matthew 24, looking at 32 and 33. Now, learn the parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth its leaves, you know the summer is near. So, you too, when you see all these things, recognize that he is near, right at the door. And so, uh, some translations, I looked up 18 translations. You can do that quickly on the internet, can't you? I looked up 18 translations, and eight said, learn the lesson of the fig tree. And 10 said, learn the parable of the fig tree. Well, the Greek word is uh, parabolin. And so I think parable would be a good word to use. It doesn't really matter. Here's what we're after. The lesson of the fig tree. We're not looking for a literal fig tree. It's a, it's a parable. It's, a <clears throat> it's an earthly story of a fig tree to illustrate something spiritual that's coming. Something that's spiritual that's happening. It's a parable. It's an illustration of what he just mentioned. And so he's saying, my return will happen. I will be back. But look for these signs. And so the signs to look for are the signs we talked about last week on the first question. Did these things happen? Did Jerusalem fall in AD 70? Yes, it did. Have many false teachers come into the world since Jesus ascended into heaven? Yes, they have. Whenever did the sun ever darken, the moon not give its light, and the stars fall from the sky? Now listen, if you're looking for the time when the, the sun became dark, uh, or the moon didn't give its light, or the stars fall from the sky, that more than likely is prophetic. It's more than likely symbolic. And being that it's symbolic, it may, and I say may, it may represent kings and presidents and Caesars and czars and princes and governors and governments that have collapsed. Look for these signs, Jesus says. And so, just as those things have happened, so the fig tree branch has already become tender. We're talking about a time period, a time frame. As a fig tree's branch will become tender and be fruitful, and so uh, these things have happened. And the fruit that these things are going to bring is the return of Jesus Christ. Verse 33. 33 says, so you too, when you see all these things, recognize that he is near right at the door. Now, <clears throat> since these things have happened, here's what I say. Get ready and stay ready. The return of Jesus Christ is coming. So get ready and stay ready. And that's a message to the world and to the church. Get ready 
and stay ready. And so there's a lot of confusion that exists on the understanding of verse 34. And 34 reads, Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. So now you've got to define what does it mean by this generation. That's a tough one. The temptation is to make the assumption that Jesus says the end of time and his coming is going to happen during their generation. Well, we know that didn't happen. And so some people hold to that view and just says it didn't happen, so we don't know what to do with it. It is also possible to understand him to simply say that within a generation, everything that he had told them would begin to unfold. Now, that happened. These things began to unfold during their generation. So they could see that not only he raised from the dead, he's alive, but that his coming re-entry into this world is going to happen because these things during their lifetime began to unfold. But this doesn't mean it will be over in a generation that all these things will be over in that time period. Rather, rather, that generation would see ample proof that these things have begun. Now, the Greek word for generation not only means generation, but it also can mean race. This race of people uh, will not uh, be done away with. Regardless of the interpretation it does not give a date for the return of Christ. It's amazing to me how many people have foolishly set dates and said that Jesus is going to come back by this certain day and time. We've already been cautioned in scriptures. Nobody knows when. Jesus said nobody knows when. The Apostle Paul said nobody knows when. Why would people set dates? I don't understand it. Hmm. Jesus could not be clearer in verse 36. No one knows about that day and hour. No one predicting the arrival of Christ is useless. I would go as far to say it is evil to name a date and time that Jesus is going to come back. It's ridiculous at best. Some of the last writers, inspired writings talked about this subject. Paul said it in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verses 1 and 2, where he said, Now as to the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need of anything to be written to you, for you yourselves know full well that the day of the Lord will come like a what? A thief in the night. A thief in the night. Verses 37 uh, through uh, 41, 37 for the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away. So will the coming of the Son of Man be. Then there will be two men in the field. One will be taken, one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the meal. One will be taken and one uh, will be left. That's a great illustration about Noah because only eight people were saved in that flood, meaning the entire world did not believe that Noah was a fool for building that ark and trusting that there was going to be a flood coming. According to the world, they didn't understand it until they saw the rain falling and they drowned. My dear. Now for the final lesson, 
The end is unpredictable, secondly and last today, but, the, but woe to those who are unprepared. For those who are unprepared. Let's go to our Bible. Verses 42 through 44. Therefore, be on the alert, for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. And be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known at what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have been on the alert and would not have allowed his house to be broken into. For this reason, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not think he will. Get ready and stay ready. The majority will be unprepared. His followers should not be unprepared. He offers two parables. If you know a thief is coming, you're not going to leave your house unlocked. Jesus is coming back, even if you don't know when, and you need to deal with it. You need to deal with it. Get ready and stay ready. In verses 45 through 51, 45. Who then is the faithful and sensible slave whom his master put in charge of his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that slave whom the master finds so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But if that, slave, if that evil slave says in his heart, My master is not coming for a long time, he begins to beat his fellow slaves and eats and drinks with drunkards. The master of that slave will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour which he does not know. And he will cut him in pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Imagine a business owner who puts an employee in charge of everything. What kind of employee is going to disregard the boss's words when he says, have this, 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 this done when I get back? And the employee says, well, I don't know when he's coming back, so I'm just going to do what I want to. And he's stealing from the store. He's being mean to the other employees. He's stealing out of the cash register. What we're describing here today is urgency. It is to get ready and to remain ready. Stay ready. A wicked worker who acts like that will get exactly what he deserves. You don't know when he's coming, but you know he's coming. So what are you going to do about it? You have no excuse for not being prepared. I've said as long as there's a breath in the lungs and a heart beating, you can get right with Christ. Take advantage of that. Debates over signs and dates, they're always going to happen. It's a shame that they do. Read your Bible. We don't know when he's coming back. But it, it, it has happened. How many of you remember 22 years ago, Y2K? The computers weren't going to know what to do after midnight of uh, December 31st on 1999. They're all going to shut down. The world's going to shut down. And others jumped on it and said, Jesus is coming back. Well, he is coming back. But don't set dates. I wonder if Jesus really was going to come back then and said, I told you not to set dates, so I'm not coming back right now. No, that's silly. No, he wouldn't do that. Listen. In 1988, a preacher named 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming Back in 1988. I almost looked at my watch. I don't have one. 
That didn't happen. And then a Baptist preacher in 1844, Preacher Miller, he called it the Great Advent, that Jesus was coming back in 1844. It didn't happen. And then the Jehovah's Witness jumped on it in 1914 and said, Jesus is coming back, 1914, and it didn't happen. And when the newspapers and radios said it didn't happen, they said, no, it did. It happened spiritually. Well, that's not true. Because Jesus said, when I come back, every eye is going to see me. Every eye will see him. And so, uh, 1988, 1844, 1912, when are we going to learn? Get ready and stay ready because we don't know when he's coming back. So, uh, listen, all of those dates don't even compare with the foolishness of this next story. Newspapers carried the story of two Texas friends who got into a religious argument. Fort Worth, Texas. The two good old boys, Johnny Jocelyn, age 20, and Clayton Stoker, age 21, a uh, couple of good old buddies had been out bar hopping on Saturday night, going from bar to bar, and, and they ended up at, back to the trailer park to a picnic table. It's, it's early, early morning hours, and they're continuing to drink, but the discussion turned to religion. Drunks ought not talk about the religion. Because Stoker decided to settle the argument about which one of them is going to go to heaven or hell first. And Stoker stumbled into the house and got a shotgun. He loaded it, and he announced that he was going to die and go to heaven. And so he put the end of the shotgun barrel in his mouth and prepared to pull the trigger. And his friend Johnny said, oh, no, you don't. If anybody's going to get shot, it's going to be me. True story, Fort Worth, Texas. He grabbed the gun and pulled the barrel towards him and shot him in the chest and killed him. You can find out quickly who's going to heaven or hell when you do that. But there's a better way to find out who's going to heaven or hell. It's to talk to someone who went to heaven, Jesus Christ. Talk to the Lord. I recommend that you listen to someone who knows what they're talking about. Get yourself ready and stay ready. Stay ready. This world is going to come to a screeching halt. People can argue over the details, but the fact remains, Jesus Christ is coming back, and it's foolish to not be ready. It's foolish to not be ready. I want to close for the Christians to uh, go with me to James chapter 5. That's towards the back of your New Testament. Look it up on your phone. James chapter 5, 7, 8, and 9. James says, Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient about it, until it gets the early and late rains. You too be patient. Strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is near. Do not complain, brethren, against one another, so that you yourselves may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing right at the door. The wrong time, my friends, to say I'm sorry to Jesus is not at the judgment day. The time to say I'm sorry, Jesus, is right now. The judgment day is too late. 
You prepare now for the judgment day. You get ready and you stay ready. Get ready. Get ready. I want to extend an invitation to get ready. You believe in Jesus. You're here. Give him your total allegiance. Give him your total life. Jesus is not to be trifled with. He loves you, but he he don't tolerate foolishness. And to say, I love Jesus and hate my brother, the Bible says you don't love God if you hate your brother. To say, I love Jesus, I believe in him, but you're not going to live for him? Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Don't play around with this. This is worse than Russian roulette. Russian roulette, there's other chambers that are empty. This doesn't have any empty chambers. Jesus is coming. It's a fact. So repent of your sins. Repent of all the wrongdoing. Uh, Repent of how we have shamed God. Repent how we have shamed our families. Repent how we have just messed up. And I like Mike's verse at communion. Man, that was a powerful verse. I sat there through communion repeating that uh, over and over. No, not one. Everybody has sinned. No one is righteous. No, not one. Wow. And so... We come to Jesus for cleansing. Jesus can make us whole. Jesus will forgive us. You, you pray your heart out to the Lord. When you repent, you confess his name. You go to the waters and you're baptized into Christ. Come and enjoy the fruit of being in the kingdom of the Lord. To be under the reign and sway of the kingdom of the king. Give your life to him. It's called get ready and stay ready. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I praise you today for your word. I ask blessings, Father, upon the men and women who gave their life to Jesus so many years ago. And they are still here, faithful, after all this time. I celebrate that. But also, dear God, I want to celebrate the young generation that find it very difficult to live the the holy life, the righteous life, but they too are still here being faithful. I pray, dear God, for those outside of Christ that they give their lives to Jesus today. They'll surrender their life. They'll let a revolutionary change take place in their mind and in their heart that they from now on will confess Jesus. From now on, they'll give their life to Christ. From now on, they'll wake up daily. How can I live for you, Lord? I pray, dear God, make a change in people's hearts. Help them get ready and stay ready. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Please stand together as we sing. If you'd like to make a decision for Christ, or maybe you just need prayer, you come and take my hand this morning. Tell me why.